0: question i have for you this morning if you could have any superpower what superpower would you want to have the usa today uh had a poll and they asked people what superpower would they want what super if they could have any superpower what would they want number one uh the top five single superpowers that people want uh number one is the ability to read minds 28 percent. i'm telling you right now that was guys that was guys i want to know what she's thinking Or it could have been wives going, what is he thinking? So, all right. So 28% want the ability to read minds. Mine is number two, the ability to fly. I think it would be awesome. I think it would just be so cool. Just say, you know, at any moment go, I feel like flying. And there I go. I'm a big Superman fan. I put Superman uh, up there somewhere. Did I lose it already? Is it not there? Slide number two. Okay. I messed up. I'm sorry. Uh, well, anyway, there was like images of superhero things up there. And I thought Stephen Massey was going to be here, so I threw a, a Batman on there just for him. But I'm not really a big Batman fan. I'm a Superman kind of guy. And he and I go round and round. There you are. Yeah, he heard Batman. He heard Batman. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Uh, superpower number three, to be invisible. To be invisible, 11% wanted to be invisible. Okay. Uh, number four, uh, number uh, four is to possess super strength, 9%. To possess super strength. Super strength would be cool, uh, but I still want to fly. Uh, and then the ability to walk through walls would be 1%. Walk through walls? What are you going to do with that? I mean, except unless you're a bank robber. you know, Maybe 1% of our population is bank robbers, and they want to walk through walls. Like, I don't know. So what about you? What kind of supernatural ability would you like to have? What kind of superpower would you want to have? And why? Well, this morning we're going to talk about, we're going to continue our sermon series. Oh, I see what happened. I confused them. Yeah, it's all my fault. All right. So anyway, there's the superpowers. Go back to the other one. Um, <laughs> Uh, This morning we're going to continue our sermon series on becoming active members of God's kingdom called Get in the Game. We've been talking about 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 13 in the month of May as we talk about how God has given all Christians some kind of spiritual gift to be used in His kingdom to accomplish His will and to accomplish His purpose on earth. God has endowed all Christians with an almost kind of a superpower, kind of a supernatural gift or ability to put to work in His kingdom. So when you think about it, you kind of have a superpower already, Uh, and it may not be the ability to be invisible or to fly or to read minds, but you got some kind of ability, some kind of gift given to you by God to be used in the work of his kingdom. Okay, everyone's got one. We talked about that a few weeks ago. This morning's sermon is about specific offices and gifts that Paul wrote about to the Corinthian church, and that's what we're going to talk about is these specific offices and gifts. Now this gets a little controversial. All right, there's all kinds of different opinions on what kind of gifts are still around and what kind of uh, offices are still in use. And, and so we're going to talk about these things uh, this morning uh, for a little bit. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to try and uh, explain them as best as I can. But I, I got news for you. When it comes to this topic and it comes to what we're talking about today, there's a lot of I don't knows. Okay, This is an I don't know kind of sermon for Sean. So when I say I don't know, I mean I I don't know. I I don't have all the answers when it comes to this topic. Uh, But we're going to explore some of the issues. We're going to look at it from a couple of different ways, from a couple of different sides, and uh, see what we can figure out as best we can together. All right, so uh, let's pray, and then we're going to start. Father God, I do ask that you would bless this time now. That you would fill us with wisdom and knowledge by your Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, that you would be present here in this time as we open your word and uh, search, uh, search it for, for answers uh, regarding uh, spiritual gifts and offices and, and things like that in the church. And just ask that, God, today that you would give us that extra knowledge, that extra measure of knowledge and wisdom. I thank you for the chance to preach. I thank you for the abilities that you've given me, and I pray that I'll always use them in your service uh, to uh, build up the the church uh, and to glorify you. Thank you for this time, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Paul continues to write about the body of Christ, and that's what we've been talking about. The church is a body, the body of Christ, and and the gifts that Christians have. And he's going to give his audience a little more of a detailed description of the gifts found in the church he really he reiterates in verse 27 here you got a bible turn to first corinthians 12 27 through 31 now coming up next week uh i know some folks will be out of town for memorial day and whatnot but next week is going to be uh just a sermon that i'm I'm so looking forward to preaching is on first corinthians 13 the love chapter And next week, we're going to talk all about love. It's going to be a great big, you know, huge love feast right here at First Christian Church. We're going to have a great time talking about love. But before we do that, we need to talk about some of the gifts and offices about the church uh, before we get to the love chapter. So that's what we're going to do today. Starting in verse 27 of chapter 12, we're going to begin with this. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles. Also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. That's where we're going to stop right there before we get to the love chapter next week. Paul reiterates the most important part of this passage, the most important thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is that everyone is a part of the body and everyone is important. All right? So sitting right there where you are, know that you are a part of the body of Christ and you are important. Every single one of you are important to the body of Christ. And it's so important when it comes to spiritual gifts and using your gifts in the body of Christ. Paul knew that certain gifts might be looked at as more important. That some gifts may be desired more than other gifts. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But his main point is that all the gifts are important. And everyone, everyone is to be using their gifts for the glory of God. And then he goes on to list some of the offices and gifts of the early church. And the way that Paul lists these offices and gifts, it appears that the first three offices, apostles, prophets, and teachers, oh my, uh, are ranked in order of importance to the early church. Okay, so these are kind of ranked in importance. There's apostles, there's prophets, and then there's teachers. So let's look at these one by one for a few minutes. He starts with apostles. Uh, The Greek word for apostle literally means one who is sent. Sent one or to send. Apostolos. Uh, Sent by who? Who do you think sends the the apostle? It's the Sunday school answer. Jesus. It's Jesus. You've heard the story um, about uh, the little kid. It kind of goes like this, little kid. um, And they're... Never mind, I'm going to tell it wrong. So uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. Trying to remember the joke and and it's not coming to me. So uh, anyway, the little kid says, "I know the answer is I know the answer is Moses, uh, but if I don't say Jesus, it'll be wrong or something like that." And anyway, I'm sorry I, I messed that up totally. So sent by who? Jesus. Jesus sends the apostle to do what? To be his ambassador. An apostle was one who had seen Jesus after his resurrection and was given a message by him. The office of apostle was all inclusive. They were sent by Christ to be his ambassadors To be prophets and to be teachers, apostles could do all that they could be teachers and prophets. Paul in first Corinthians fifteen described himself as the last one to see Jesus, and therefore he was the last apostle. Next, Paul says that some were prophets, a prophet was a proclaimer, someone who literally had a word from the Lord. They were literally given a message from Jesus through the Holy Spirit to the church. Like I said, apostles were considered prophets as well. Their office was all-encompassing. This is why Paul was able to write all the letters that he wrote and why they got incorporated into the Bible as Scripture. They were literally a word from the Lord inspired by the Holy Spirit. Prophets not only had a word from the Lord, but they were also teachers. So an apostle could be a prophet, uh, was an apostle and a prophet and a teacher. A prophet could not be an apostle, but a prophet was a prophet and a teacher. And then we get to teachers. These were the ones who were specially gifted to teach the body of Christ. They had a very important job. Teachers had a very important job, and that job was to instruct the church based on the teachings of Jesus and the writings of the of the apostles. Now teachers were not apostles, teachers were not prophets, although uh, though the prop apostles and the prophets could teach, so it kind of goes one way but it doesn't go the other. Uh, Paul then goes on to use the word then quite a bit and you heard that when I read the passage He uses the word then over and over and over again. It seems as if the first three apostles prophets and teachers. Oh my Are listed in an order of importance? Okay, and then uh, All the gifts that he lists next are kind of on an even plane Miracle workers healers helpers administrators those speaking in tongues all seem to be on the same level In the early church, God used people in supernatural ways and in regular ways to accomplish his will in the church. God was able to use the gifts that he imparted to people in order to make a difference in society, in order to make a difference in the kingdom, in order to make a difference for him. We read the stories in the book of Acts of healings and miracles and tongues. We also read about those who helped others in special ways. We read about those who had gifts of leadership, organization, and administration. Paul asks if everyone was an apostle or if everyone was a prophet or if everyone was a teacher and and etc. But the answer is no. Paul was making the point that not everyone has the same gifts. And then he says one of two things. Okay? That last verse, he says one of two things. And it's a matter of translation and interpretation from the Greek. Now, he says uh, in the NIV, they translate it, uh, but you, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now, there's a little text note under the NIV of a, another possible way of interpreting that, of translating that. It says, or but you are eagerly desiring the greater gifts. What's the difference? Well, the former is a command. To desire greater gifts, such as tongues and miracles. See, that doesn't make much sense to me. Because Paul was just trying to tell us, was trying to show us that all the gifts are on an even plane. Whether it be miracles or healing or tongues or interpretation, uh, I'm sorry, or administration. uh, All those gifts are on the same plane. The latter, though, you are eagerly desiring the greater gifts, is more of a constructive criticism. In other words, hey, you Corinthians, you don't get it. All of the gifts are important. All of the gifts are necessary. Quit wishing for only the ones that get you noticed. And that seems to make more sense. That seems to be more in line with the message of 1 Corinthians. And that makes, it makes more sense to me. So in light of, of this study, I, I have some questions that I want to ask of Paul regarding this, this passage. I've right, got some questions I want to ask. I've got three questions I want to ask Paul. All right, and, and I can't ask him right now, and when I get to heaven and and I have the opportunity to ask him, I, I'm probably not going to worry about it at that point. But if, I, if Paul were standing here on the stage with me today, and uh, I could ask him these questions, and these are the three that I would ask him about this passage. First, what offices are in the church today? What offices do we have? Out of the three, he lists three uh, apostles and prophets and teachers, oh my, uh, and then uh, in Ephesians 4:11 and 12, he also wrote of, of apostles and prophets and teachers, oh my. But he also added evangelists and pastors. So out of those five, apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, which of those are all still in the church today? We've already seen how Paul essentially called himself the last apostle. He said he was the last one to see Jesus. So, to me, that would mean that he was the last apostle, that, that there are no more apostles. You know, the early church defined an apostle as one who had seen the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Buying a piece of toast off of eBay with the image of Jesus burned into it does not make you an apostle. Okay? That does not make you an apostle. You had to have an actual encounter with Jesus Christ after he had risen. You had to be with Jesus after his resurrection. Peter did it. John did it. Paul did it. Even some dude named Matthias did it, as we find in Acts chapter 1, verses 25 and 26. Okay, they cast lots to see who was going to replace Judas as one of the apostles, and the lot fell to Matthias. Now, you and me, we cannot be apostles because we have not had an encounter, a physical encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Could we be prophets? All right, if we can't be apostles, can we be prophets? I don't think that we could be considered prophets. Why? Because even though we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we are baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, we are not given inspired words to speak on Christ's behalf. To say, to say that one has a word from the Lord, to me, is a very dangerous thing. All right. It, it means that one is certain That God has given them words to speak that come directly from him. Now the last time I checked, God inspired many different authors over the course of over a thousand years to write his message to humanity. That message is complete. That message is all encompassing. That message is is everything that we need to know in order to have a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ. In other words, God has already given us a word from himself and it's called the Bible. Okay, that is God's word to every single one of us is the Bible. And when someone says, I have a word from the Lord, I'm always a little bit cautious. And and I hope that you never hear me say, I've got a word from the Lord. Because that means God has come directly to me and spoken to me and said, Sean, this is the word you are to to tell the people. All right, I'm just very cautious about and very concerned about that. I do have a word from the Lord. It's called the Bible. And God has given me uh, the ability and the opportunity to preach and teach his word. But that's his word. And and as far as, you know, in 35 years, I have yet to receive, you know, an actual word from the Lord uh, to, to preach to others. Okay, so that leaves evangelists, teachers, and pastors. An evangelist is one who preaches the gospel. A teacher is one who teaches others the word of God. A pastor is a shepherd who cares for Christ's church. Do we need evangelists to preach the gospel? Do we need evangelists to preach the gospel? Do we need teachers to teach the word of God? Do we need shepherds to care for Christ's church? Yes, we do. We need evangelists. We need uh, teachers. We need shepherds. All of these offices are still in use today. Now ministers can do all these things. Uh, as a minister, I preach the gospel. I teach the word of God. I shepherd the flock. I help shepherd the flock. Elders do these things. Small, lo- small group leaders do some of these things. There are import- these are all important jobs. To be a, a preacher, to be a teacher, to be a shepherd is an important job. And let me tell you something cool. You do not have to be a paid, ordained minister in order to do one of these jobs. If God has given you a gift of teaching, then you need to teach. If God has given you a gift of preaching the gospel, then you need to preach, my brother. If God has given you a gift of shepherding and pastoring, you need to shepherd the flock. Well, that leads me to my second question that I want to ask Paul. What gifts are available to the church today? And this is kind of where it gets a little touchy and controversial. Uh, he lists some gifts here that we may not all understand. There are miracles, healing, helping, administration, speaking and interpreting tongues. There are other gifts listed in other places as well. Listen to Romans 12:6 through 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and showing mercy. Those are all spiritual gifts given to Christians by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of serving the church and building the kingdom. So I go back to my question. What gifts are available to the church today? If not all of the offices are available, such as apostle or prophet, then are all of the gifts available to the church today? Some of you would say yes, some of you might say no. Could someone in the church perform a miracle? Could someone in the church heal someone? Do tongues exist in the church today? Some will point to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 10, 8 through 10 as a way of saying that not all gifts are available to the church today. Listen to this: where there are prophecies, they will cease; where there are tongues, they will be stilled; where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. Now, the problem with that argument is that I have I, I have yet to hear a definitive. Uh, Argument as to what the definition of perfection is some have said that perfection is the completion of scripture at the end of the first century Some have said that perfection is the coming of christ at his second coming all I can say Is I don't know Remember I told you this is gonna be an I don't know kind of sermon. This is an I don't know point in the sermon I don't know. I don't know what perfection is I can tell you what perfection ain't You're looking at it the problem is, the problem with this is that Paul doesn't say when. He doesn't say when prophecies, tongues and knowledge will cease. You see in heaven nothing is imperfect. Knowledge, tongues and prophecies are all perfect in heaven. On earth these things are imperfect. If the Bible, if the Bible is the perfect is the perfect then yes, these things have ceased. If the Bible if that is the argument that the Bible is the perfect that the Bible talks about that it talks about if that's the perfect then yes these things have ceased. But the question another question I have then is has knowledge ceased? Of course not. We wouldn't say I wouldn't say that knowledge has ceased. So why would that not cease but the others would? It may be because we don't understand them. Because we may have never experienced them. Because we may not be able to explain them. That doesn't mean That they don't exist. It doesn't mean that they are not useful somewhere in the church today. That somewhere out there, God could use something like that for his glory. Now, I don't like talking about this too much. Because A, it's controversial, and I try to avoid controversy as much as I can, to be honest. And B, not just because it's controversial, but because I don't know. I don't like talking about stuff that I don't know. No comments, Shannon. But I thought I would at least raise the question, that at least get us thinking about it. And if you have any ideas, if you, if you have a concept, if you have an idea of what Paul's talking about better than I do, and, and that is very, very possible, please let me know. Please talk. Give me a call and say, hey, Sean, I got it all figured out. Cool. I'll get up here and I'll tell everyone. So-and-so has it all figured out, and they're going to come up here and tell you about it. <laughs> I'm sorry that I don't have anything more concrete than that as far as my understanding and, and what I know. That's all I got. So I apologize for that. I'm just, I'm just not sure. So what does this mean for us as a church today? That's the third question I would ask of Paul. What does this mean for GFCC? I think it means that we need people to get in the game. I've had some people come up to me and talk to me how they don't know what their spiritual gifts are. Well, we're going to do something about that. All right? We're going to do something about that. How many of you know what your spiritual gifts are? i got a few hands. How many of you have no idea, you have no clue what your spiritual gift is? Okay, not everybody raised their hand between the two questions. And and it's not like there's a third possibility. Anyway. Well, we're going to do something about that. We're going to do something about it. We're going to do something to help you find out your spiritual gift. We're going to take some time this summer. We're going to have some time dedicated this summer. I haven't planned out the dates yet, but we're going to take some time this summer to find out what your gifts are. Like I said I have, I'm not announcing a date or a time, but we're going to have some a spiritual gifts program this summer to help you discover. What it is that God has gifted you to do. And we're going to plug you into a place. We're going to plug you into a ministry. We're going to plug you in where you need to be uh, so you can get involved in building God's kingdom and building his church here in the Griffith area. I want you, my desire is that you would be able to use your gifts for God. That I believe that God has gifted you, that God has given you a gift and that he wants you to use it. Because when you do use your gift, when you get to use your gift, amazing things happen. Awesome things happen. God will give you a sense of purpose. God will set, give you a sense of accomplishment. That, and it's almost beyond comprehension. When, when you do something for God that is in line with your, gri- with your gifts, it feels great. You know, people ask me, Sean, you know, do you like preaching? Do you like what you do? I love what I do. God has, my number one spiritual gift is preaching. And I love preaching sermons. I love writing sermons. I love sitting down at the computer and banging out a sermon and just and praying over it and studying the Bible and then getting up here and, and, and preaching the sermon. I, this is what I live for. I live for this. This is my passion. Is to be up here talking to people about God's word. And, then, and when I hear somebody say amen, which you can do any time. When I hear somebody say amen or when I see a head going up and down like, yeah, that makes sense. That gets me excited. When someone comes up to me and says, man, something you said, something you said really touched me. Or something you said impacted me. Or, this one really blows my mind. I remembered something you said this week. And it applied to my life. That I was in this situation, or I was doing this thing, and something you said I remembered. And I want you to know, it's not what I said. It's not... Me, it's God using the gifts that he's given me to touch lives. And that's awesome. And I, just, I can only pray that I would only be a, a, a willing vessel, a, a willing servant, and that God use me however he wants to use me. But I tell you what, this is what I live for. This is what I love to do. And I believe that God has given you a gift, that God has given you a talent, that God has given you an ability to do something that you are going to love to do. God is not going to give you some kind of gift that you're going to want to use begrudgingly. Oh man. I gotta go I gotta go serve the poor. Oh man, I gotta go show mercy to somebody. Oh I hate the fact that God has made me an encourager. That doesn't make sense. God would not do that. Because God knows what's best. He knows how the gifts work together. And he knows you better than you know yourself. And if he gives you the gift of encouragement, you're going to love to use that gift. That maybe it's writing a card. Maybe it's sending a card to somebody. How many of you like to send cards? Is it a, is it a, a chore? Is it a joy? Absolutely. If you're an encourager, sending a card to somebody to encourage them is an absolute joy. Something you can't wait to go, man, I wonder who needs a card this week. If you have a gift, it's not in the Bible. Well, in a way it is. Teaching is a gift. Working with kids is a gift. It's not a, not a spiritual gift as in the Bible unless you want to take teaching as a spiritual gift. And, and teaching little kids, that is, teaching is a gift. If you have the gift to teach little kids and to work with little kids... Then that's going to be something that just gets you excited. When little kids, I, I I can't imagine. Well, I can. I know what it's like to talk to somebody and to teach somebody about the Word of God, to teach them about how Jesus died for their sins, to teach them that they need to to uh, to believe and repent and confess and be baptized and and to go on to live a new life. I know what that's like to to lead somebody to the to to salvation by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And I can't imagine, you know. Starting with a little kid and growing them up through Sunday school and through youth group. And then watching them someday get in that little tank of water up there and be baptized. Knowing that you had a part to play in that. That's awesome. That is rewarding. That is amazing. That God can use you to change lives for his glory. That's why you have gifts. Is to, so God can use you to change lives for his glory. That's what it's all about. So, we're going to do something. This summer, we're going to help you find out what your gift is. We want you, the, church lead, the leaders of this church, want you to be able to use your gifts. And, and it's going to feel good. It's going to feel great. It's going to feel amazing. You're going to be able to u- be used by God to do amazing things for His kingdom. You're going to be able to be used by God to change lives for His glory. And that's what His desire is. I want you to have that feeling. I want you to have this feeling. Of being used by God for His kingdom and for His glory. Do you want that feeling? Do you want that sense of purpose? That sense of accomplishment? That sense of joy? Are you tired? Are you tired of just the same old, same old Sunday morning Christian routine? Because there's got to be more. There's got to be more than just coming and sitting in a the pew. There's got to be more than just going through the motions. Okay, now we're going to sing. Now we're going to take communion. I'm going to put my offering on the plate. Now I'm going to be listening to Sean. And then I'm going to sing another song. And then I'm going to go home. And I can get back on with my life. No, there's got to be more than that. If you believe, if you believe that there's more to being a Christian than just going through the hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning, then, then we're going to help you find that. It's time to figure out what God has made you to do in his kingdom. I'm going to get with the elders, all right? And we're going to put our heads together, and we're going to figure out the best time to do this because we want to see people use their gifts. We want to see people get involved. We want to see people get in the game. You want to see people get in the game? You want to see people get in the game? You want to see people get in the game? George, where are you? You want to see people get in the game? We want to see people get in the game. We want to see people using their gifts and getting involved in using their gifts to build this church into what God wants it to be. You might have a gift that you're aware of. You might have a gift that you've never even thought of. Whatever your gift is or whatever your gifts are, you need to be using them. God gave them to you for a reason, and he wants you to use them. There's a movie called Chicken Run. Anybody seen the movie Chicken Run? Let me tell you a little bit about the movie Chicken Run. Dozens of chickens are held captive in the concentration camp of Tweedy Farms. Ginger is the chicken mastermind who keeps devising new plans to help her fellow chickens escape. Hope appears in the form of a flying rooster named Rocky. One evening, Rocky sails over the fence into the chicken farm. Unaware that he has been shot out of a cannon from a nearby circus, Ginger believes that Rocky the flying rooster can actually fly. Rocky is simply trying to escape the circus. Seeing Rocky as the ticket to freedom for herself and the other chickens and realizing he is desperate to hide from his big tent pursuers, Ginger says, teach us how to fly and we'll hide you. Not wanting to go back to the circus, Rocky conceals the truth about his ability to fly and promises, don't worry, I'll teach you everything I know. The following morning, the chickens file out into the chicken yard. The dismal compound surrounded by razor wire fences and dotted by dilapidated chicken coops is suddenly transformed into an aerobics gym. Rocky leads the chickens through various flying exercises including push-ups and a treadmill. I want to see the I have not seen the movie yet, but I've got to see chickens on a treadmill. The chickens attempt to fly amount to a comedy of errors and a series of clumsy takeoffs and hard landings. With all the success of a lead balloon, several portly hens run and leap off of chicken coop roof uh, off of the chicken coop roof, causing one spectator rat to yell poultry in motion. In another exercise, the chickens toss one another end over end, prompting the peanut gallery rats to yell, Over easy! None of the chickens ever learn to fly. Ginger and the other chickens have to learn a lesson the hard way. Chickens simply are not gifted to fly. While there are few things more discouraging than attempting to exercise a gift we do not have, there are a few things more rewarding than exercising the unique God-given abilities that we do have. My friends... It is time to get in the game. It is time to get in the game. It's time to use the gifts that God has given you to change this community and to change our world for Jesus Christ. There is nothing, there is absolutely nothing more important than spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. There are people all around us every day who will spend an eternity in hell separated from God if we do not give them at least the opportunity to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. As a church, we have a responsibility to get out and spread the gospel. And we cannot do it. We cannot fulfill our mission unless everyone is getting in the game. And that means discovering your gifts and being used by God to help the church fulfill its purpose. Jesus died for the church. As Tony was saying earlier in his communion meditation, he shed his blood blood on the cross so that we could be freed and forgiven from the consequences and guilt of sin. Now, now we have the hope of eternal life with God. Whatever our gifts and abilities, we need to use them to build God's kingdom. So how are you using your gifts? Whatever gifts you may have, how are you using them? How are you using your talents and abilities? Are you getting in the game? Every Sunday, we offer an invitation here at GFCC. My invitation for you is to get in the game. Get in the game. But if you're not even playing on the field, if you're not a Christian yet, we offer this invitation for you. One, we want to invite you to accept Christ as your Savior, to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're a believer in Jesus, but you've never been baptized, today is the day. Don't put it off another day. Don't wait any longer. Come be baptized today. The water's warm. We got robes to change into. You know, we will, we will get you set up. We will get you ready to go. You can be baptized today. Or if you're an immersed believer and you've been visiting with us for a while, you like what's going on here, you like what you see, you want to become part of the family, we invite you to become part of the family today as a member of Griffith First Christian Church. Or if you need someone to pray with you, the elders are going to come up here in just a minute. You can pray with one of our elders. If you need to talk to somebody, if you need to tell them about what's going on in your life, you need someone to pray with you, we invite you to come pray with me or pray with one of the elders. We're going to stand and we're going to sing our song of invitation in just a minute. And the question I have is, will you come today? Will you come today? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I, I, Lord, there's a lot of things that we don't know, that we don't understand about spiritual gifts and about how the Holy Spirit works. But I do know that the Holy Spirit works. And I do know that we have gifts and abilities and talents and things that we need uh, to use in your kingdom. And so God, today I pray that you would help us to get in the game, that you would help us to get uh, working for your kingdom, that we would be out there spreading the gospel and sharing the love of Jesus to this world. I pray that God today for those who've never accepted Christ as Savior or for those who want to join our family, I pray that you would put it on their heart that today is the day. Help us, Father. Help us to fulfill the mission that you've given us in your word. Help us to fulfill that purpose, to go out and to love others and to love you and to spread the gospel. Help us, God. We need your help. We need your strength. We need you in our lives. Be with us the rest of this day and in the days to come. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.